3: Well, hello there, everybody. It is Thursday, July 21st, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. And soon it'll be on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. And I say it's a heck of a morning. It's been a heck of a week in terms of news and fight bookings and. All sorts of craziness going on in the world of mixed martial arts. We're still coming off of UFC Long Island. We have UFC London coming up on Saturday. Bellator is back with with a pretty damn good show tomorrow. Bellator 283 in Tacoma, Washington. There's a lot going on. And like I said earlier, a lot of big fights to talk about. Most notably, the big one. UFC 279, the main event, Hamza Shumayev versus Nate Diaz, who will have the final fight left on his contract. I have a lot to say about this fight. We found out on Saturday. We talked about it a little bit on Tuesday, but Charles Oliveira will fight Islam Makachev, main event of UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi for the vacant lightweight title. And a whole bunch has been added to that card. Aljamain Sterling defending his Bantamweight title against T.J. Dillashaw. That will be the co-main event. We found out already that Sean Brady's fighting Bilal Muhammad, And then two big ones we confirmed yesterday. One, Piotr Jan is back, and he's not fighting Henry Cejudo. He's fighting freaking Sean O'Malley. That is insane. And then late last night, we got another one, another big one at 155. Benil Dariush, who maybe the biggest gangster in all of this because this guy was positioned, you can make a compelling case that he should be fighting for the vacant title right now. Instead, he's going to fight Matush Gamrot at UFC 280. So, a lot going on, a lot to discuss. I'll give my thoughts on some of this stuff as you present them. Let's get after this thing. Let's go. A lot of people lined up. Let's start with... Mitchell. What's up, man?
4: So I just wanted to get your opinions on the um, your Mali versus Jan fight and uh, what do you think of the matchmaking. And if um, Sean O'Malley does win, do you think he's next in line for the title shot because he's making a big jump and it would be in the number one right of fire
5: in that division?
3: Yeah, so Piotr Jan, Sean O'Malley, really interesting fight. Kind of, I mean, I... I Respect Sean Oballey for, for jumping on this fight, for going to Abu Dhabi, for and taking such a tough fight, because Oballey's a star for the company. He could just fight September 10th on this Nate Diaz-Hamza Shemaev card and still find himself in a big fight and still be a big part of the presentation, if you will. But instead, he's going to fight Piotr Jan, by far his toughest fight, and he's coming off the no contest with Pedro Munoz. And Pedro Munoz probably has to be seeing this booking and is like, what the hell? I get poked in the eye and he gets what could be a number one contender fight. And I get left with an eye injury and who knows who the hell I'm going to have to fight next. So yeah, big opportunity for both guys. I don't want to hear anybody saying that Sean O'Malley is taking easy fights. Cause that's certainly not the case. This is a big one. This is a big one. This is an interesting one for Piotr Jan as well, because you would think, and the betting odds suggest that Jan should go in there and handle O'Malley accordingly, and I'm leaning Piotr Jan to, to do that as well. But I got to say this, the length of O'Malley is interesting. The striking of O'Malley is interesting, especially the diversity of it. And one thing we have learned about Piotr Jan throughout his UFC career is that he is not the best starter. And it's not like Cerrone-esque where it just takes him a minute to get cooking. He usually takes the first round to make some moves, but sort of figure out the game, if you will, to kind of figure out what the opponent's going to bring to him. And Sean O'Malley has shown that he can be a very quick starter. Now, if I am Sean O'Malley in this situation, because he is a very smart guy, he is a student of the game, I'm sure he is well aware of peter yan and his strengths his weaknesses what he does well the one thing peter yan does well is he gets better as the fight goes on and here's a lot of things peter yan does well that's why he was the champion that's why a lot of people thought he would go in there and beat aljabate sterling in april it didn't happen sterling had a fantastic showing retained the title here we are now he gets to fight sean o'malley but if i'm sean o'malley I'm going out there and just emptying the gas tank. I am throwing everything but the kitchen sink at Piotr Jan in the first five minutes of this fight. And hopefully he can put Piotr Jan out of there. And if he can't, all right, he gave Jan a tough fight. It's kind of a win-win for O'Malley. Because if he, if he wins this fight, he's probably getting a title shot or at least he's going to be in the conversation. And if he loses, it's just... I mean, it just depends on how. Like, if he just gets the doors blown off him in 30 seconds, that's a whole different thing. But I don't think that happens here. I think Jan will end up winning a decision, maybe getting a late finish in this fight. But I think O'Malley's gonna have a, a is, could have a very big first round, and that's how I would that's how I would approach this fight. Just throw it all at Jan in those first five minutes. Don't let him get comfortable. Don't let him get situated. Don't let him figure this thing out at all. And just blast him with everything you have. Just empty the tank in those first five minutes. That's how I would approach it, but I am not a fighter. I am not Sean O'Malley. I am not his team. That's that's kind of what I would do, but he's probably not going to listen to me or the show, and that's okay. But big opportunity, and yes, if Sean O'Malley wins, I don't know if they'll throw him right into a title fight, but there's a chance. There is a chance. I'm sure he's going to have to restructure his contract for for any of that stuff to happen. Let's go to Tristan Gordette. Tristan, are you there? Mike, what's going on? How are you?
6: Yeah, so I was thinking about this too. Remember, like two weeks later, it's the MSG card. So if the Abu Dhabi card is going to be that big, and that with that lot of star power, the MSG card better be as close or as good because I'm thinking in my mind now, you got to get the Stipe and John Jones fight. You got to do the Izzy and uh, Olivera fight. Uh, I mean, Pierre, Alex Pereira fight. Then you got to do Jorge versus Gilbert. Then you got to do Kobe versus Dustin. And then you got to do Wonderboy versus Ke- Kevin Holland to finish t- to have that star power match up to the Abu Dhabi Corps. Or you gotta get close because we don't know what's gonna happen as far as um, Kobe's situation and Jorge. The USC's gonna sit tight and wait and see how that plays out. Hopefully everything can settle down. Then you gotta figure out if Kobe's healthy to ready to fight, and and then see also if Dustin's gonna um, agree to that at 170. I mean, because then the, then you have all that buildup. You have beefs going around. Now the problem is, can you have? on the same card, at the MSG card, can you have Kobe and Jorge at the same pl- at the same place? I don't know. I mean, UFC has got to talk to them like, you guys can't be around each other, whatever. We're going to sit you um, as the build-up is concerned. So it's got to be as big, or if you can't get those, connor has got to be on that card if he's going to be ready for that. So we'll see what the UFC you got to do, because they're like, yo, dude, we got to match the star power of what we just did for Abu Dhabi, for MSG. It's got to be that big. We got to get the Stepe and John Jones fight happening. It's got to it's like no choice cuz you can't it can't be a letdown. It just can't. It's got to be like, "All right, we're doing all with Abby. Huh. MSG, we got to go big. We got to go big or go home." So they got to they got to figure this out and make sure they got this all lined up in place for the MSG card, cuz it's 2 weeks later. It's like what November 4th? They're going to do it that, I guess? It's 2 weeks later, so they got to be high alert and get these fights you know, showed up and done. Be like, okay, you think the Abu Dhabi card was great? Which will it be? Because that card is insane. Huh, watch the MSG card and what we do here. Bang, right then and there at MSG. And every and it'd be all hands on deck. So that's going to be very interesting. I want your thoughts on that because I, I think you, you might be similarly thinking like, if the Abu Dhabi card's that hot, MSG better be that hot as well or close to it. And then my second point, my second question is, how did were you kind of surprised at what Valentina Shevchenko said? Of her next fight will not be at bantamweight to challenge either um, challenge Amanda Nunes or, uh, or Pena. What what's your thoughts on that? I was pretty surprised that she said no. I'm gonna keep defending the flyweight title because she did talk about she wants to she would have to put on muscle to get to 135. So just your thoughts of your conver- uh, your thoughts on that conversation that she had with Ariel Helwani on the MMA Hour. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Tristan. Yeah, the Valentina thing I'm not all that surprised about. I kind of felt that that would be the direction after the Tyler Santos fight. And the big thing that she has said pretty much consistently throughout all of this is that she just felt like she was too small on fight night. She didn't feel like she put on enough size. She felt like Tyler Santos was the much bigger fighter. And until she addresses that and is able to put on a little bit more weight, size up a little bit, She's probably smart staying at 125, and there's fights for her. There's definitely fights for her at 125 right now. So we will see what happens. Manon Fioro is going to fight Shikagi in September 3rd. If Manon wins, maybe they turn her around at some point pretty quickly, especially if she gets a quick finish. Maybe they put her on one of these cards. The MSG thing, there's one thing everybody sort of has to keep in mind as they look at this UFC 280 lineup, right? Because all of these cards, for the most part, that go to Abu Dhabi are going to look like this. And the reason for that is because that area, that country, the UAE in particular, they pay the UFC a big amount of money to come there once a year and put on a blockbuster. And they're delivering, for sure. They're delivering big fights. Two title fights as part of the agreement. They got the two title fights. They have Islam Makachev, who will be revered in the area and amongst those fans locally in the main event, which is a very big deal. And now you have other fight, Bilal Mohammed, another one, uh, even Benil Dariush to, to some extent. Like This is a very big deal, and this is the, these are the kinds of cards the UFC is going to try to put together. Now, I will say this, October is, and I'm, I'm a positive dude, but I'm also a realist. I've been watching this sport for a long time. We have to keep our expectations at a realistic level because it is July. October seems like it's not that far away, but it is pretty damn far away, and crazy shit can happen. So let's just keep our expectations in place, okay? We are very happy with what we've seen so far on paper, but there's a chance we might not get all of this. So just throwing that out there. As far as the MSG card goes, listen, I don't think the... the the further we get into 2022, the less I feel as if John Jones, Steve Miocic is going to happen this year. I just, at this point, why not just figure out Francis first, get him back in there, let him heal up? If Francis is going to fight in December or January, like he's targeting, why not just do John Jones versus Francis? Like, that's probably what the UFC is thinking. The, their, their first thing and their first priority on their mind, as far as Francis goes, besides just figuring this whole thing out and letting cooler heads prevail and figuring out all this contract stuff, is Francis is going to want to fight John Jones. That's They're, they're going to entice him with that. Resign with us. We'll give you the damn John Jones fight. That'll be like the January or the February pay per view. So, as it stands right now, if I, if I had to take a guess on what fights will be at MSG, I will say Adesanya Pereira. I will say maybe they do Yuri versus Glover. Like I think it would just be cool to have Glover. Just think about the the, the savings of travel from Connecticut to MSG. You get Glover and you get Pereira traveling from beautiful Connecticut down to New York for title fights. The Poirier against anybody really. Poirier versus Chandler works for me. There's I mean, there's so many fights you could do. You could put Wonder Boy on that card against Kevin Holland or whatever. Like they could still make it a good card. I don't know if it's gonna beat what 280 is, but they don't need to do that. They don't need to do that. UFC's getting extra money to build this card for 280. It's more important to them to build up a kind of card like this for 280 because they're getting compensated for it more so than doing it at MSG. So yeah. It's it's I think MSG will be fine. And you have to remember, there's a December pay-per-view as well, so you can't go too crazy. So I don't know what they're going to do. Another one I keep – I mean, people keep asking, about is like, what are we going to do September 10th? What are we going to do September 10th? Because we got the main event. What else are we going to do? Because right now, if you look at it, the card as it stands, it's a little – it's a little – eh. It's a little McGregor non-title pay-per-view looking. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as uh the show progresses. Let's go to Don. What's up, Don? What's going on, Mike? How you doing?
7: Good on how you good, man. Um, so I had two things for you. Um, first thing is which one of these new banger fights, it's the it's the season of the bangers, man. Bangers is just coming left and right. Which one are you the most excited for? And I also wanted to know your opinion on so I see Sean, you know, he got the fight with uh with uh Petr um, Petr Yon, and I wanted to know how you feel about when people, uh, loot, like, when fights end via yeah, eye poke and stuff like that, do you feel like it should just be an immediate run back? Because this reminds me of, like, when Leon and Bilal fight each other now. You know, of course, Leon was only fighting Bilal because kind of like a placeholder. He just needed a fight. So, but nobody expected it to end like that. And a lot of people were like, oh, you should run it back because it was eye poke. But he was like, ah, I don't really want to do that. And now, like, a similar thing happened with, um, with uh, these two. So I want to know, what's your thoughts on that? Um, and uh, one last thing. Thanks for always saying my name right, man. You, you, the, you, the, you the go, Mike. So have a heck of a morning, all right? Too sweet,
3: all that. Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, to me, for, for... what am I most looking forward to? There's two ways I look at this. One, I as far as I just a fight for what it is, it's by far Oliveira versus Makachev. That is the correct answer. But in terms of the intrigue and the build and the pro wrestlingness of it all, it's got to be Shamaya versus Diaz, right? It has to be. It has to be because there's just, we have our own. You know what? I'm tagging myself in here because here we are. And I'm, we're going to talk a little bit more about this on Between the Links because this will be brought up, I'm sure, when I absolutely throttle verbally Drake Riggs and become the champion of my own show. So I'm pretty excited about that. 3 p.m. Eastern MA Fighting YouTube channel. So get excited for that. Uh, I love everything about Hamza chamaya versus Nate Diaz. I love everything about it. And here's the thing. We have we've had a lot of folks throughout this build and trying to get Nate a fight over the last year or so. They're chanting, get Nate a fight, get Nate a fight, let Nate go, let Nate go. And then they book him a fight. It's like, anyone but that, anyone but that. Like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't choose his opponent. And guess what? I love this fight because this is the fight Nate wanted. Nate wanted it. And here's here's one thing. Everyone keeps bringing up, well, if Nate really wanted this fight, he would have taken this fight in October. Why? Why? Why would he have done that? Why would he have done that? Why would he go to Abu Dhabi and fight Hamza Shamayev when he's trying to negotiate something for himself? Now, could he have taken that fight and then just been done with the UFC? Sure. But you also got to play the game a little bit. What else could be out there for you? What else is possible? What else could be there? Could I get a different fight? Could this happen? And in hindsight, maybe Nate probably could have taken that fight and then we wouldn't be even be having this conversation right now. But Nate is also going to be heading into free agency, and he wants to have his, his name, his price tag, his resume, so to speak. He wants to be in the best possible place. So why, why put yourself at more risk, essentially, to travel to Abu Dhabi to fight Hamzat Shemaev when you are one of the biggest stars in the company and you are the A-side of this fight? Why would you do that? So I don't blame him for not taking that fight. Maybe in hindsight, he probably should have been like, F it, I should have went and done it. And then I'd be done. And I'd be free from these chains, a la Wilson Phillips. And he didn't, he didn't do that. So here we are. I love everything about this. This is a win-win-win for everybody involved. The guy with all the risk here, in my opinion, is not Nathan Diaz. It is not the UFC. It is Hamzat Shabayev Because he is a win away from fighting for the title, He's undefeated. He's a minus 1,100 favorite. At least that's where the line opened for this fight. He has to win, and he has to win it impressively. Like, the UFC has essentially tapped this man on the shoulder and said, take this dude out to pasture and put him out of his misery. Not for you. Do it for us. Do it for us, Hamzat. You're the guy. It's like Hamzat has joined the corporate ministry, and Dana White is Vince McMahon right now. Do it for us, son. Do it for us, pal. Get this guy out of here and make it painful. Diaz wants this fight. Diaz wanted it. He's wanted it since April. He's wanted it. So here we go. He's getting it. Why are we complaining about this? Why are we complaining about this? We're still going to get 280. We're still going to get MSG. We're still going to get all the fights you want. You might have to wait a month for it. But we're getting – this is a massive fight. And guess what? You can complain about it all you want. You could say this is terrible matchmaking or whatever. So what? You're going to watch it. You're going to spend 75 bucks to watch it. This will be the biggest selling pay-per-view of the year. It will be the big, biggest selling pay-per-view of 2022. It will be. You're all going to watch it. You want to know why? Because we have no clue what's going to happen. We don't know if Nate's just going to go in there, fight around, tap out and walk out. We don't know if Nick's going to throw the towel in Jed Bashu's idea. He's been saying that and preaching that for a while. We don't know if Hamzat's just going to go out there and run his ass over. We don't even know if Hamzat's going to make it to Las Vegas. Hamzat has had visa issues and travel issues. So what happens then? Think of all the fun we can have between now and September. What if Shamayev doesn't fight? What if we get Gilbert Burns? What if we get Colby? What if we get somebody else? Because you know the UFC ain't going to do this man any favors if Shamayev can't fight. So the whole thing, like the intrigue, the build, all of this, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. And it's Nate's last stand. It's the last fight on the contract. What if he goes out there and just beats Shamayev? Like what if he just goes out there and beats Shamayev? Because guess what, folks? In my eyes, Shamayev... This line is probably where it should be. But if this fight makes it midway through round two, we got ourselves something real interesting here. If this fight gets extended and it goes into rounds three, four, five, you're telling me Nate doesn't have a chance to win that fight? Because he certainly does. He certainly does. Is there a world where Shamaev just runs him over and stops him quick? Maybe. But what if he doesn't? What if this fight gets to the third round? We've seen Shamayev get tired. We've seen Nate in rounds four and five do the damn thing. And when the pressure is on and the lights are brightest, Nate shows up and has the best performances of his career. Michael Johnson fight, Conor McGregor at UFC 196. A lot of people felt he beat Conor McGregor at UFC 202. He had the Anthony Pettis performance where he just beat the brakes off that man. And then even the Leon Edwards fight, yeah, he lost the majority of it. But what are we talking about here? What are we talking about when we look back at that fight? We're talking about the last 30 seconds of it. That's what we're talking about. Nate is so good at that. And if Nate could just survive, if Nate could just survive, even if he gets 10-8 in every round, if Nate could just survive, This stock rises tremendously. So this is a win-win-win for everybody. And let's just not think about the fight itself. Let's think about fight week. Let's think about the media day and the press conference and the build to this fight and all the things that could happen. We could get a Montreal screw job out of this whole thing. I don't think it's going to happen, but like, let's just have fun with this shit. Just have fun. This, This is awesome. I love everything about this. I honestly love everything about it. I love it. I, I just I don't understand the problem with this fight. I don't get it. I don't know why people are so negative about it. Why? Why are you so negative about it? Everybody gets what they want here. I, do, I, I don't understand. I don't understand the hatred for this fight. And if you don't like it, I, come on in and explain why. I'm not going to argue with you. Like you, you, have, you have every right not to like this. But I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why you wouldn't when everybody gets what they want, essentially. And if Nate wins, holy shit. Holy shit.
8: The
0: NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
5: Mikey, you're there. Hey morning, brother. How are you? Good. Did you seriously just say the Montreal screw job regarding Nate Diaz? I
3: sure did. You do realize wouldn't that be crazy? No,
5: do you do realize that would be the literal end of the UFC, right? Like that would be I i like I'm, I'm joking. I know you're I'm joking, being but sarcastic. like but you know there's some idiots in MHR that'd be like, ooh, wouldn't that be cool? I'm like, no, that would be like conspiracy
3: of the highest order and the UFC of would course. have to go under. So but um But, 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 like, think about it this way. Like, what if Shamayev, what if, like, in the first round, Shamayev just drops Nate and Nate's okay and he lands, like, two shots and the referee just stops it? Yeah. You know what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. That's going to be, oh, and that's, listen,
5: man, I am dreading the buildup already. Not, not from them, but from the entirety of MA Twitter because all the conspiracy theories are going to be out in full force and I don't know if I can take it. Everyone has, like, built it up in their head that Nate is Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it's like, anti-establishment when he's basically been dana's boy for like eight years i don't know he's like one of dana's favorite people but anyways the other part i want to get to is sean o'malley and peter yan like i don't get mma fans man they want sean to be tested but they don't want him to be tested against somebody they like or somebody like oh he doesn't deserve like what is deserve at this point like i don't mean that like in a negative way but just like it's all relative man the kid is a hype train you want hype trains because hype trains create platforms for the fighters you want look at what happened to cheeto cheeto got to cheeto beat him and then sean kept winning and now cheeto's getting a fight with dominic cruz and maybe somewhere down the line those two will fight for a number one contendership people are just getting ahead of themselves thinking that he's going to automatically get a title shot it just means he's going to be available too if the option is uh, is there it's like have some fun mma twitter you know what I mean? Like, you, you, the guys, you guys are getting what you want. <laughs> he's going to get his, either he's going to get his ass kicked or he's going to prove to us he's legit. I don't get it, man. All right, Mikey. Have a good morning.
3: Thanks, dude. Yes. So what I mean about the build, and Mikey kind of made sense of it all, like, I was being a little sarcastic with the, with the Montreal school drop stuff, but, like, just relax and enjoy it for what it's going to be because it's going to be fun. The whole thing's going to be fun, and it's going to be, Insane with this whole Shemayev Diaz thing. Um, there's going to be some not-so-fun elements about it, but just ignore all that BS and just enjoy the ride. And if you're a Diaz fan and you're a Diaz and the UFC fan, enjoy this ride one potentially for the last time. And what a... I mean, just the mere thought of Nate winning that fight. Like, can you just imagine what the world would be like if that happened? It would be incredible. It would be incredible if Nate Diaz won that fight. Like, I don't know. Like, it'd just be insane. It would be nuts. It'd be one of the craziest moments in the history of the sport if Nate Diaz beat Hamza Chemaev. Somehow found a way to win. It'd be nuts. And then the Jan O'Malley fight, like, what else? Here's the thing. Like, Piotr Jan, in a lot of people's eyes, even though he lost in April, In the the books, even though he lost to Aljamain Sterling, a lot of people still feel like this guy is the best bantamweight in the world. And all the other bantamweights are booked right now. They're all booked. All of them. The only fight that, in my eyes, that actually made logical sense to me and that would make me the happiest would have been Jan versus Cejudo. That was it, – it just seems like it was right there. And if Henry Cejudo was dead set on coming back, coming back to fight and doing things the right way, that was the fight he should have taken. Cejudo should have jumped on board and called for this fight. Instead, he's talking about going to 45 and fighting for titles, fighting Sean O'Malley. And you know what the UFC th- – this just goes to show even more my whole stance about this Henry Cejudo comeback. Henry Cejudo, for the first time, has actually called somebody out that's not the champion, said it's a tune-up fight. He went into the back, got a viral clip, so to speak, getting in O'Malley's face, essentially, saying, I'll take a tune-up fight with you. And shot O'Malley's calling him, a, 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 say he's drunk and on drugs. Like, you have everything you need to build this fight. And what does the UFC do? They put him in with Piotr Jan. That's how much they care about Henry Cejudo coming back right now. It's just crazy. And there's just, this is the best fight for Jan right now. It's the best fight. It's the only logical fight available to him. My car just apparently turned on. So, sorry. Hello? Sorry. So, here's what just happened there for all of you laughing and being weird. Uh, my wife just took the car. And the Bluetooth on my phone was attached to that. So if you heard anything weird from the car, maybe a radio station or my wife on a phone call, there you go. Continue on, my man. Go to you there. Unmute. Yes, I
5: am here. I am here, Mike.
3: What's up, buddy? I got a question for you. Do you think if Charles Oliveira goes out there and just rear naked chokes? Islam Makhachev in the first round. Where do you see Olivera going after that? Do you think he's going to fight Connor? think he's going to give a rematch to either Chandler,
5: Gaethje, or Poirier? Where do you see that going?
3: Uh, he's fighting Connor. I'm convinced. And I've said this for a while. Olivera Makachev was going to be the matchup. If it happened at MSG, cool. If it happened in Vegas, cool. But if it happened at Abu Dhabi, there's gonna have to be some sort of contingency in place for Oliveira to get the Connor fight next. Like, there's no doubt that that's part of it. Fine, I'll take this fight. I'll go to Abu Dhabi. I'll be the away team. I will give the challenger, so to speak, even though he's not the champion. I will give the the other guy in this vacant title fight hometown advantage, so to speak. I'll give him the rub, but I, you give me. I'll do you this favor. I'll give you this fight because. The UAE's paying you all this money to put on these big, huge freaking cards. I give you this, you give me Connor. And at this point, like, considering. I'm just going to turn my Bluetooth off just in case my wife comes back sooner rather than later. Um, at this point, like, who else is Oliver going to fight? Like, he's beating everybody. Now, I know you get Dariush. If, if Dariush beats Gamrot, you could do Dariush, but that's not one the UFC has to rush to get to. If Gamrot wins, again, that's not one the UFC has to rush to get to. And let's not forget Alexander Volkanovsky is in this conversation as well. So, yeah, I think it's the Connor fight, but I think it's going to be something like Connor's going to have to, if he wins in October, this would probably be like a February-March type deal. So if Connor's ready to come back like early 2023, like the first quarter, I think Oliveira would try to turn around relatively quickly and take that fight. And Connor as well would obviously be all in on it. Um, I think Oliver just absolutely runs over Connor, but he gets he gets the red panty knight and the extra money and all that stuff. And then Oliver can go fight Volkanovski or Gamrod or Dariush or whoever comes out of that. And I don't think it'll be Poirier. I don't think it'll be Chandler because we just saw it. We just saw what happened. And I know Chandler is real close, but I think Chandler's going to have to win a bunch of fights before he gets back to that shot. Or someone's just going to have to get hurt. And he can slide in there. So, yeah. That's what I think. I think Connor. Uh, there's a very good chance with a win, especially if Oliver goes out there and just runs over Makachev, he's got to get the Connor fight next. And he should probably get it at this point. Look at that guy's resume. There'll be 12 wins in a row. Look at the guys he's beaten in those 12 fights. Especially, like, the last half of that. Give the guy the freaking Connor fight. He deserves it. Let's go to Squalé. Well,
2: I, hey, I'm here. How you doing, Mike? Good morning, everybody. So,
7: divorced.
2: I wanted to, since you brought up Connor, I want to bring up the fact that, Mike, he's huge. Have you seen him on Facebook? He's a monster. I've even heard people say, you know what, he's probably using PEDS or he's eating good. I don't care what he's doing. I just know that he's fucking humongous. Do you think, <laughs> excuse my language, do you think that... He doesn't come back to lightweight. I, my theory is that he goes to welterweight. I don't think this man is going to lose weight to fight Charles Oliveira. He got smoked by Dustin twice. You know what I mean? And he's huge. I think he goes to welterweight. Mike, what do you think about this?
3: Maybe, but like, who's he going to fight at welterweight? I don't know. I mean, do you do the Poirier fight at welterweight? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. He's not fighting Usman, that's for damn sure. So I, I mean, listen, he's he's uh he's on that uh, that creatine diet right now. The guy's uh guy's got some muscle, you know what I mean? There's a lot a lot going on in the world when you can't really walk or train. You just get in there and you lock yourself in the gym and you just lift as heavy as possible. And he's got trainers and he's got all these people around him that can help him. He's got, I'm sure, he's got multiple nutritionists and multiple you know vitamin people who get all those things and in, in line for him and it's nice when you have all that money and you can do that and and be able to do all of those things uh i certainly do not i have to do it on my own and uh yeah i am not uh, as felt as as one conor mcgregor right now but listen i think i think Connor i think conor could drop back to 55 i'm sure if he just wanted to start a weight cut like i think connor was like all right i'm fighting in january let me start cutting down to 55 right now like i think he would he would drop like 12 to 15 pounds like in the first week he would just do a lot more cardio he wouldn't lift as heavy and a lot of that water weight the creatine weight if you will probably just kind of melt off of him because he's not naturally that big so i think a lot of that would just melt off and then probably cutting the last five to eight pounds would be a pain in the ass for him but yeah, he's huge right now, but he ain't fighting for another nine months, probably. So he's still got time to to cut back down. So, I mean, listen, if there's a big fight at 170 for him, I'm sure he'd prefer to do it that way. But, like, if they want to do him and, like, Tony Ferguson at 170, sure. But I think, again, this all depends on what happens on October 22nd. What happens with that Oliveira Makachev? Like, because if Makachev beats Oliveira, Connor ain't. Connor ain't cutting the 155 to fight Islam Makach, I can tell you that right now. No freaking chance. Let's go to Aiden.
9: Aiden, how are you? Hello. Um Hello. I was just listening to the Connor. Um the Connor stuff. I um I don't I don't see him getting any any big fights in terms of um whether it's Usman or Oliveira, just because of his timeout. out, um, I can only see him coming back for either the um, the Diaz fight or potentially the Poirier, which I don't think needs to be to be run back. But I, w- I just wanted your thoughts on um, if Paddy Nimble wins this weekend, um, how 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 when do you think he might be. Potentially getting a title fight. Do you think they're gonna be taking his time with him because he is a prospect? Um, how long do you think it'll be before he's thrown in with a top five contender or top three?
3: Uh all right, so the, the Connor thing, he's not gonna fight Nate Diaz. That fight's just not gonna happen. And if he does fight Nate Diaz, it'll be It'll be a while from now, or it'll be outside of the UFC. Because after this Hamza fight, Nate's going to do something else. He's going to go box Jake Paul or do something like that. Now, could he come back to the UFC? Sure. There's never say never. It's very possible. Who knows? We saw Tito fight in the UFC years after Dana wanted to freaking box him. So, I mean, there's anything can happen. Money talks, business talks. So, yeah, I... I just don't know if that Diaz fights happen fight happens anytime soon. I definitely think the Olivera fight is in play because Connor only has like two fights left of his deal and they're gonna milk this milk his name for all it's worth if he doesn't resign with the UFC, as they should. They should use his name to put over other guys. They're trying to do the same thing with Nate right now. That's what you do with big stars. If they're on their way out, you use that name to put over somebody else to shine on other fighters. That's what you do. That's what you're supposed to do. It's the pro wrestling model. The Patty thing, we're t- the title fight? Man, we're a long way away from that. We're a long way away from a title fight. We're a long way from top five, and it shouldn't be like that. Like, Patty, Patty is not a guy that you position to be a world champion. You, Patty is a guy that you position to fight in London twice a year in front of a big crowd and get this man wins. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're supposed to do. We get the, the hometown rub. Put him against anybody. I, like, I'm not even – like, Patty is a good salesman. There's no doubt about it. The guy generates buzz. He's a star for that company in that part of the world. He generates a lot of interest. He's going to have his hands full with Jordan Levitt. He's going to have his hands full with Jordan Levitt. I don't bet on MMA, but looking at that line – I would fire a couple shekels at Jordan Levin right now because Jordan, Jordan is not going to get rattled by any of this. Like Patty wins a lot of his fights before he gets into the octagon because the moment becomes a little too much for the guy he's fighting. And let's just kind of go through the resumes of, of Patty. And it, it, Patty's talking about Jordan's opponents and Jordan's talking about Patty's opponents and both of them are right. None of them are wrong. None of them have fought like elite level competition yet. But Jordan's, I've been hearing about Jordan Levitt for like seven years now before he was even on like a blip on the UFC radar. This is a guy through his regional run that nobody wanted to fight. Nobody. This guy tried to get fights all over the country, all over the world, and no one would fight this guy. Nobody would fight him. It was crazy. The amount of opponents that turn down fights with Jordan Levitt. The dude is slick as hell, man. And Patty can crack a little bit, but Patty's also not like this big knockout artist. So I mean, like, Patty's a fine fighter, and we need to position Patty to just sell tickets in London and just get this man wins because it creates moments. It creates moments. He's not like I just don't if if Patty Pimblett fights for a world title. I will dedicate an entire show to him. I will do a two hour Patty Pimblett tribute show where I just put over all of his wins. I'll go through his entire resume. I will do watch alongs of his entire catalog i like I, Patty is good for the uFC in these types of situations. I just don't think we're gonna be living in a world where Patty fights for a world title or gets top five guys, and that's okay. That's fine. he's got a, like he has a role and he has a very good role like. Seeing Patty get the London the London rub is awesome. That's great. That's great. Place goes crazy. Amon McCann joins them and they're like a they're like a tag team. Like it's super cool to see that. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I think I just I, and I don't think I'm alone in thinking this about Patty. Like he's he's a fine fighter, but we'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens on Saturday. See what happens. Maybe he steamrolls Jordan Levin. Maybe he goes over there and runs them over. But let's not forget, Jordan Levitt fought Claudio Playas, and that's probably the most difficult fight on either of their resumes right now. He lost that fight, but he went the distance with Claudio. And Claudio is like a dark horse 55 right now. He's a guy that not a lot of people talk about in this division. We talk about some of the other names coming up. We talk about the Gamrots and the Jalen Turners and the the Sarukians and some of the guys coming up this division, but no one's talking about Claudio Playas right now. And that guy is surging and he's super good. And Jordan went 15 full minutes with that guy in like his sixth pro fight. Like that's, that's some serious experience right there. And Jordan's been, and Jordan has been saying the right things as well. It's like, listen, I've been at syndicate sparring with world champions for, for a decade now. None of them have dropped me. None of them have rocked me. Jordan's not going to get overwhelmed by this London thing at all. He's just not. He just is who he is. He's a self, a self-aware weird dude, like who knows that he's a weird dude. So, yeah, this will be the fight that everybody has circled on their calendar. Come Saturday, this is the fight everyone's going to be talking about and everyone's going to be looking forward to. But I think we have to uh, we have to pump the brakes on. Patty Pimblett fighting for world title conversation, at least in my eyes. I could be wrong, and if I am, I'll be happy to come on the show and say that I'm an asshole and I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's go to Gossip Dude Gossip. All right. How are you? Gossip Dude Gossip, unmute. Yeah, can you hear me?
10: Yep, gotcha. Very good. I had a quick question for you guys. Um, it seems to me like Nate Diaz and Dana White have been at odds for each other. And I don't think Dana is throwing him to the dogs as far as him fighting Kazmet because he does have a he has a fighter's chance. There's no doubt about that. But can you go into detail as to why him and uh, why Dana and Nate have had at odds
3: with each other for a while? I mean, Ariel's probably the guy you could probably tell that story the most, but I mean, at least from the outside looking in, Nate understands value. Nate understands his worth. And Nate understands that this game can be a little one-sided from a business sense. Like, the UFC is making all this money. The fighters are getting shit. And once in a while, like, the fighters will, will, will make a pretty hefty paycheck. I mean, just look at what Diaz and McGregor did for each other in 2016. Right? Remember that? They fight at 196. They were booked to headline UFC 200. Contracts weren't good. One guy falls out. The other guy defends the other guy and says, I ain't fighting anybody else but Connor. I'm not fighting anybody else but Nate. They held out and they got what they wanted and they fought at UFC 202 and made a whole bunch of money and that event was gigantic. Nate is a very smart guy and always has been. He's been very savvy. And Dana is not used to guys and used, he's not used to fighters who are savvy and that are willing to take the company on. And guess what? More often times than not, if you have a leg to stand on and you take the company on, you win. You at least can find a happy medium. Connor's done it many times. Nate's done it a few times and has gotten what he's wanted pretty much every single time. Sometimes it's just worth waiting it out to get what you want. You don't just take the first offer. You say no to the first offer. And then you wait, and eventually, you will find a happy medium. Nate is a great, and his team, they're great negotiators. And if they don't get what they want, if they don't get what they feel they're worth, they're just not going to do it. Say, okay, I won't fight. I just won't fight. That's fine. I'll do other things. And Nate makes good money not fighting. They can just go party and make a bunch of money. Like, people will just pay him to come to their bar and restaurant and just hang out, and they'll pay him a bunch of money, and the place will be packed. I was in Tampa for the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley two fight. Nate Diaz—it was like the freaking president showed up to the Emily Arena. Lines of people, just all wanting to take pictures of Nate Diaz. It was crazy. They had to—they had to open up like private beer stands for Nate because of all the people that just kept going up to him. It was just crazy. Nate is a bona fide star, and Nate knows it. And Nate's, gonna, Nate's not going to fight for any less than he thinks think he's, he's worth. And Dana's not used to that, and Dana doesn't like that because you get 700 other guys are going to say, yes, Dana, whatever you want. You want me to fight for this money against this guy? Sure, that's what I'll do. And Nate's just like, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. I want to fight this guy on this card for this amount of money. If you don't give it to me, then I just won't freaking fight. And Nate's been very good and very savvy with that throughout his career. So that's part of the process. Just two guys on different wavelengths. The UFC business has just exploded. And it's going to continue to explode. And fighters just are gonna get what they want or just get what the UFC essentially wants for them until they all come together and say, F it, we're just not gonna fight unless we get our PCI. And that's just not gonna happen anytime soon. And Nate just doesn't care. Nate's just gonna do what's good for Nate, and there you go. And Nate's going to go on to bigger and better. All right, we'll go Zeke, Brent, Luciano, Patrick. We're going to try to get to everybody. It's a busy show, lots to talk about. Zeke, are you there? We're winding, we're winding. Zeke, try again, my man. Let's go to Brent. Brent, do we have you? Yes, sir. Uh,
11: shout out to AK and also the UFC roster watching Bot that's in here. That's kind of cool. I uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to jump in and weigh in on the like five or so awesome matches that the UFC announced in the last few days. Um, I like the Hamzad and Nate one, but I feel like it's a mismatch. That's why I don't like love it. Uh, but the one that I'm really just confused by that's a big mismatch is um, Peter Yon versus Sean O'Malley. I really just don't understand that. It seems like they're doing, like, Peter Yon a huge favor here. Um, and, yeah, that's all I got. Good morning. Thank you.
3: Yeah, like I said, I mean, listen, a lot of people don't like the Diaz-Shemayev matchup. If it's if it's the fight itself, you just feel like it's a mismatch, fine. Uh but it might not be. Like, that's the thing. We don't know. Like, just on paper, you would think just like... We also thought, for the most part, we also thought... A lot of people thought Shmiap was just going to run over Gilbert Burns. Just run him over on his way to the title. Jed Mishu was on multiple programs and said he's just going to destroy Burns and then he's going to fight for three titles. But obviously, people underestimated how good Gilbert Burns was. And it turned then it turned into... Well, Hamzat was overhyped, which is a bunch of BS, by the way. Hamzat is super legit. but let's not forget, Nate has been in there with everybody. The guy has fought pretty much everybody that he could possibly fight. And he's won a lot and lost some and has always found a way to win, even when he doesn't win. Again, Leon Edwards fight, perfect example. Loses the majority of it. Wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing fight. Leon was able to do pretty much whatever he wanted in that fight. But then Nate had his moment, and that's all everybody talked about was Nate's moment. And Nate's stock rose, and Leon's stock dropped, which is just what Nate does. So again, Nate can lose this fight and be fine. It's a win win for everybody. Hamza could get the win. Nate could just make it, you know, Nate just doesn't get the doors blown off him in the first round. Nate's stock's going to rise. If Nate can go the distance, it's going to rise even more. And if Nate Diaz wins, oh, my God. Oh, boy. That would just be incredible. I could – I cannot wait. Like, I'm hoping – I'm hoping to be there for that. But I cannot wait to go on a post-fight show if Nate Diaz beats Tom Zetchemaev. That would just be incredible. Incredible drama. Incredible theater. Zeke.
12: Mike, I felt like I was talking to my toaster here for a little bit. I don't know if you were there, but I was trying to connect before. It didn't work. Happy to be here now. I got to talk to you about what we just spoke about. I don't think minus 1,100 is wide enough on the Hums side. We, we might have to bump those odds up, or Vegas needs to figure out, you know, what they're doing on that end because I don't understand what the matchmakers are doing here. Like, we legitimately might have our first ever legal murder in the octagon take place in september and dana white's just gonna allow it because he's upset with nate diaz because nate diaz wanted to fight francis nangano like this is almost francis nangano like he's fighting a man who's gonna go in there and absolutely carve him up all Hamzad has to do is take care of nate and he's definitely issuing for uh that belt or at least that number one contender spot in my opinion like who would be next in the welterweight division would it be a would they throw him at a kobe like I guess maybe I'm asking you, what would you do next with Humzat if he does take care of Nate? Because does this really rise his stock, taking care of Nate? I'm not 100% sure, Mike. And then uh, secondly, yeah, I'm a a little Sean O'Malley fanboy, I guess you could say, to say the least. And I do not like this matchup with Peter Yan. Like, if Peter Yan wants to go out there and wrestle him, I have a feeling he low-key could. I think Yan's going to have a little bit of trouble, trying to manage the distance but you hear the hesitancy in my voice like I don't know I just think Peter Jan's a robot he's definitely going to tune him up later as the fight goes on because we know how Peter just calculates fighters throughout the fight figures out what kind of fight he wants to fight and just takes people out so I don't know it was a huge huge day in uh, USC news yesterday was fights that came out. So I guess I'll leave you with this. What was your favorite fight booked in the last 24 to 48 hours, or I guess leaked. And uh, yeah, which matchup are you looking forward to and why?
3: Thank you, sir. Again, it's Shamaya Diaz is is the fight. I I love the most. It's just everything about it is awesome. And one thing, Zeke, I love you, buddy. You are uh, a regular and I appreciate that. But let's not forget, we have to keep this in mind. Nate wanted this fight. Nate asked for this fight. This is the fight Nate Diaz wanted. So it's not like Nate's like, oh, I'll fight anybody but Shemaev. And the UFC is like, well, you know what? We'll give you your last fight, but you have to fight this maniac over here. No, this is what Nate wanted. Nate's wanted this fight for months. Ever since the Gilbert Burns fight, Nate has been knocking on the UFC's door saying, I want that guy. That's who I want to fight. And now he has it. Maybe it's be careful what you ask for. Who knows? But Nate wanted this fight. He wanted it. And it's a main event on a pay-per-view. So this is not like, this is not just like the UFC taking Nate outside, taking him behind the woodshed and shooting him. No, this is what Nate wanted. Everybody wins here. Everybody wins. And I think Nate's going to give him some problems. Like, and there's, a, like I said, there is a chance that Shamayov just runs him over in the first round. There is a, there's a chance that happens. But how many fighters over these years have just run over Nate Diaz quickly? How many? Not a lot. There have been some, but not a lot. The Mazadal fight was a bad one. That was Mazadal's like all time best performance. Okay. All time best performance. But Nate, when when it really counts and Nate's really hungry, the man shows up. The man shows up. If this fight gets extended, it's going to be interesting, folks. It's got to be interesting. And the build to this is just going to be super fun and intriguing. All of it is fun. All of it is fun. So let's just enjoy it for what it is, friends. Let's enjoy it for what it is. This could be the last UFC fight week, the last UFC buildup for one Nate Diaz. And what if he wins? What if he wins, folks? Good Lord. Let's go to Mr. Luciano. Hey, what's up, Mike? How you good, doing, man? Good,
4: not too bad. Um, so, yeah, speaking on the uh, Nate-Camset fight, I think what people are having an issue with is that it's a complete disservice to the rankings. I mean, when was the last time that Nate was ranked at welterweight? And it just doesn't make sense. Kamzat's coming off uh, beating number two. If by chance he does lose to Nate, it just, like, where does that leave him? And if Nate is planning on uh, parting ways with the UFC afterwards, I just feel like that fucks up everything. Excuse my language there. But um also for the Peter, Jan, and uh, O'Malley fight, I think it's a perfect matchup. I think right now Peter doesn't have an opponent uh sugars coming off this uh no contest and uh i thought i'm pretty sure the ufc like did well by o'malley like he took the most appropriate route you know like he he faced these unranked fighters
3: oh we lost you all right um yeah i don't know what happened there it's all good um to to address the first thing when the hell have rankings mattered in the ufc what what when it, when it, when have rankings meant anything they have never meant anything they're just there they're just there to put a number next to somebody's name they mean nothing they mean nothing and i say this a lot for those who are looking for meritocracy and for the right for number 4 fight number 3 go watch bellator bellator is what the UFC would be if this is a meritocratic society, if this is based on rankings, and how many people, honestly, and I like Bellator. I think the card on Friday is fun. It's loaded. It's a good Bellator card, right? But how many people are going to watch it, honestly? How many people are going to watch this Bellator card? And the answer is not many. They're just not going to. And they just don't promote these cards well, they don't tell the right stories. And I love Bellator. I really, really love them. I like the people who work there. I think the cards are good. I like the fighters. I mean, come on. They're good. They're solid promotion, but just nobody cares. It's a, And it sucks. It sucks. But this is where we're at right now. But that's they are a meritocratic organization where it's like, all right, we got this guy. Number one, he has to fight for the belt. Number two versus number three, this type of situation. The UFC don't care about any of that stuff. They care about what is going to make us the most amount of money on this card. Oh yeah, here's the fight. We'll take two huge stars like Diaz and Shamaya, and we'll pair them together. And a million people are going to spend seventy five bucks to watch this card. That's going to do a million pay- that this card's going to do a million pay per views, even if the rest of the card has nothing. It's going to do a million pay per view buys. It is. We're all going to watch it. We're all going to watch it. We all want to know what's going to happen. So. That's it. That's it's not about the rankings. If Shamayev loses, yeah, it sucks. But guess what? Shamayev will just fight somebody else. And if he wins, he'll be right back in the conversation. Because again, the rankings don't mean anything. They're just there. They're just there. It's all about money and pay-per-view buys. Um, And then listen, I have no issue with the Yon O'Malley fight either. This is, this is the fight. Who else is Yon going to fight? This is the biggest name he can fight. Everybody else is booked. That's just what's left. It's Font. Like, I don't know if Font's ready to come back. Because she got beat up in the Marlon Vera fight. Pedro Munoz has the eye injury. Like, wh- who is Jan supposed to fight? Cejudo was the guy, but Cejudo's not going to take that fight. So, we leave O'Malley. And O'Malley, let's give O'Malley some credit for taking this one. Because he didn't have to take this one. and I mean, he's taking it. He announced it himself. And he feels he's, he's the better fighter. So, I feel like this... This is an interesting fight, but again, I'd like to see O'Malley. I think O'Malley's best chance to win is just to empty the damn chambers in those first five minutes against Jan before he gets comfortable and just go for broke and see what happens. Get or get got, son. If you go out there and you get Piotr Jan, you're in a great spot. If you go out there and you beat Jan up and then you lose, you're still in a good spot. Just you can't let Jan do his thing. Go out there and just put the boots to him and see what happens. That's his best chance to win, in my opinion. Rell, and then we're gonna go to Beal, and then we're gonna go to James. I'm gonna try to bounce around. I know a lot of you have been waiting for a while. I appreciate you. Rel, what's Back up? Heck of a
13: morning, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I, I can I can tell. Yes, um, whatever day it was, yesterday or the day before, all these fights we got, man. I was I was like a kid in a candy store. But I Cannot understand how no one... It seems like nobody is excited for the biggest matchup of the year. Oliveira and Makachev. Like, who... How... We... I need to hear more about that. Because you can't... We know how great Oliveira is. But you're not just 100% sure that he's going to win this. This has got to be probably the most 50-50 matchup that can be made at the, at the moment. I, I just like, who who you going to put your money on? You're, you're not going to be too sure. And then I think the second matchup, Piotr Jan and, and, um, sugar Sean, That's actually going to be, that's going to be a great, like technical bet. I want to see who's going to be able to like, you know, get off and get their angles and get their timing. Right. Who, who do you think is going to win both of those matchups? Heck have, have a good morning.
3: Thank you, sir. Um, uh, I am very excited about the Islam Makachev challenging. Well, not challenging because it's a vacant title. The Islam Makachev-Charles Oliveira vacant title fight. I love that fight. We spent most of last week's show or Tuesday's show talking about that. Um, So right now, according to our friends at DraftKings, Islam Makachev is a minus 200 favorite. Come back on Charles Oliveira's plus 170. I don't bet on MMA. Um, but if I did, if someone's like, you have to bet on one of these guys, give me Oliveira. You're giving me Oliveira plus money again and nearly at two to one odds, I'm jumping on Oliveira all day long. I'm jumping on Oliveira all day long. I think, like, I just, I don't know, man. Like, Makachev has been dominant. He has been dominant, but he hasn't gotten that signature win. I still have questions about Makachev. I still have questions. He has been knocked out before, and Charles has had his he, Charles has been hurting some fights as well. Well, Makachev does really well. He does really, really well. But if, the more we break this matchup down, Oliveira has way more ways to win this fight. His striking's better. He's got more knockout power. His jiu jitsus really good. Makachev's going to obviously have the offensive wrestling and the top control. Olivera's got the advantages in a lot of ways in this fight, but Makachev just uh Makachev's just sort of that guy that everyone just feels is the boogeyman. And hey, listen, rightfully so. What he's done in there against the guys he, he has been put up against, he is he's run over almost all of them. But I don't know, man. I I I just think Charles is that good. And until somebody beats that man, you're gonna give me plus money on Charles Oliveira against anybody, I'm taking it. I'm taking it, Beal.
5: You're up. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. So, uh, I'm I'm loving all the matchups the UFC just put out. Uh, I personally love Kamza versus Nate uh, as much as I wanted to see Kamza versus Colby, just so to com- I want to see Kamza versus Usman ultimately. So, uh, but I think that'll still happen. Uh, but I think the matchup to make for McGregor is McGregor versus Masvidal uh, for the ultimate fighter coaches. Um, I think that's the only way to revive that uh, TV show. And, uh, yeah, Masvidal can still fight Gilbert Burns, I think, but at some time I think him and Conor should coach the ultimate fighter. Thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a
3: morning. Thank you, Beal. You know, I don't know if, if all of you heard in the background that you had – you know some dogs barking and yelping at each other you just got a preview of what the ultimate fighter would be like if conor mcgregor and jorge Mazadal were going to be the coaches uh i mean it'd be interesting you get two stars but they would just be bickering the whole time we saw Mazadal in the situation with colby that press conference was horrible i just don't know if i could deal with the full season of that although not saying that like at least with the the Tony Ferguson, Habib one. Like, at least Habib will try to be the cooler head in all of this, and Ferguson will just do Ferguson-like things. But with Mazadal and McGregor, they're just going to keep just screaming at each other the entire time. So, I mean, it'd be it'd, it'd be theater. Maybe there'd be some drama there. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Watch. I'd probably watch that. Can you guys hear me? My internet's, like, being stupid, but I think we're back. Uh, all right. Patrick, then we're going to James. I'm trying to get to everybody here. Patrick,
11: are you there? Yes, I'm here, Mike. Are you there? I am here. Okay. The ultimate fighter has a name, and his name is Nathan Diaz. <laughs> this dude is free. Free. I don't care what happens in the Hamzat fight. I'm just happy that he took on Dana White because fuck Dana. And, uh, and you know, he's going to come out just like, you know, the Leon fight. He's going to come out with some moment in the fight that is going to keep his, uh, image alive and keep his, uh, his resume alive that he's going to be able to go on and, fight Jake Paul and make a shitload of money and, uh, um, but if he wins, what is Dana just going to immediately in the middle of the event, get on a plane and go on vacation before the press conference? Like what's he going to say? Like he's, uh, he had to deal with something in the back against Francis. Like what is his excuse going to be this time? That's what I want to know. And, uh, Connor fighting, like Connor is on, on such another level of like wealth right now. He has boats made by sports car companies. He probably has cars made by freaking airplane manufacturers, a motorcycle made by fucking custom made by Elon Musk or some shit. Like the things that he's experiencing in life, like I just it's the satin sheets comment. You know, Marvin Hagler, you know, what are you gonna do when you're waking up in satin sheets, dude? He's on a whole nother level of that, like never before seen in a combat sports athlete, really. So I just don't think his mindset and his lifestyle is really gonna match up with fighting. Um I, I just don't see anything firing him up to get back into any type of shape. Um so uh and yeah, I just think uh well, all right, here's a, here's a real question. Is what, How are we going to fill out that card, um, the Hamzat knee? Because that's a non-title fight. What co-main event? I mean, I guess you, I, you don't have to even really fill it up because the, that fight has enough buzz. People are going to buy it no matter what, so they probably aren't going to care. But um, I think if it were me, I would try to do Poirier-Chandler on that card just to give it a little more oomph. But uh, do you have any ideas of what would fill out that card?
3: Uh, no clue. I would assume there'll be some welterweights on there. Maybe you do Wonder Boy Kevin Holland. I don't know. Maybe Gil Burns ends up on that card because again, you have to prepare yourself for a world where Hamza has travel issues or something in the fight. He can't make it to Vegas. Like we have to prepare ourselves for that. So I don't know. I think I think there'll be a. I think there's going to be backups in place. It wouldn't be stunned if Colby is preparing to fight in September just in case. I mean, again, we don't know what's happening with the whole court case and everything going on with the allegations with Mazidol and all that stuff. It's talked about brain injuries and things like that. Um, but you have to think if like, the UFC is just playing this, well, we're going to put this dude out to pasture in the worst possible way. You would think that if Kamzak can't fight, Colby would be sort of the, the backup to just just take Nate down and make his life miserable for 25 minutes. So um, I actually feel like Nate stylistically, even though people may not agree with this, but stylistically, I think Nate matches up better with Shamayev than he does with Colby. Because again, Colby has a gas tank that doesn't stop. And that would just be a miserable experience for Nate, especially in that final fight. Which, by the way, if, if if the UFC's whole thing was, let's put Nate out to pasture and make him look as bad as possible, you would think Colby would be the guy. Like that would just that'd be the first guy I would think of because Colby would just take him down and and lay on him and and just pepper him with punches for 25 minutes. Like that's a br- that, that's a brutal exit. At least with Shemayev, like he just has to survive the early onslaught, at least from what we've seen from the man. And if Nate could extend this to three, four, five, he's got a chance to win. So yeah, I mean, I think we're gonna see some welterweight matchups. I don't know, I don't know what they're gonna be, but they need some. Like this, this card as it stands is gonna do a million pay per view buys. But yeah, Poirier Chandler would be a good one. Um, shit, maybe j- just put Poirier in the card to begin with. Poirier could be a potential backup for that. For that, maybe you do Poirier Covington on that card. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I obviously need some help. We don't need to go crazy, but we need some kind of a co-main event to throw on there in some way, and we'll see what happens because we're uh, we're running out of time here. It's late July. This card's gonna be happening in a month and a half, so all right, I'm gonna take a few more here. There are people waiting since the damn beginning, so I'm gonna try to get to all of them. James, how are you? Good,
10: here? Mike. Good morning to you. I, uh, I just have to say, man, when you're a phone switch over to your wife's car, I immediately went, Oh no, Mike's electricity just went out.
3: <laughs> what happened? Did it just go, did it just go completely silent or did you hear something else in the background? Cause I have no idea. It was what.
10: like, um, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, a
3: was it like, was it like someone butt dialed you and you picked up and nobody was there? Pretty
10: much. And then you heard the GPS okay. come in and be like, take a left. And I was like, okay, something's going on here. It was honestly yeah. hilarious. But um, I, I'd have to kind of rattle off some some questions here and a couple hot takes. I personally think we will never see John Jones fight again. I, I just think it's going to be this thing. He just continues to tease us. And uh, the winner of Blades and, and Tommy Aspinall and the winner of uh, Gone and um, Taito Yavasa, I think you throw one of those in against Stepe for interim, and I think Francis is, is gone. Francis is going to go fight um uh drawing a blank the, the big boxer dude um yeah Ty thank you he's gonna go box him and then um oh the, the Nathan Comsot thing I think people forgot about um the Gilbert Burns fight I go back and just just watch the interview with that he does with um Joe Rogan there at the end like Homside just looked exhausted. He looked tired. If there was two more rounds of that fight I who knows what would have happened? Gilbert might have put it on him. So, you're going up with a cardio machine like Nate Diaz. I, if Nate could get out of maybe the first seven or eight minutes, I really think it's anyone's fight. But who do I know? Homes, I could just tackle him to the ground and elbow him until the ref stops it. But I'm with you on that, man. I, I'm very intrigued with that fight. And like myself, I, I'm a fan of um, Cage Warriors. And I'm curious to know your opinion on um, Mason Jones. Like, how high of a ceiling do you have for him? I was really high on him when he first came in the UFC. I thought this guy maybe could end up um, being a champion or or maybe top five. I'm not as high on him now. I I think maybe top five, definitely top ten someday. But I'm curious to hear your take on it. And, um, yeah, Mike, have a heck of a morning, and uh, thanks for taking my question. And thank you for all that you do.
3: Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I love I love everything about Shamayf Diaz. Love everything about it. It's great. I love it. Um, Mason Jones, I I like Mason. Mason's a good fighter. He's an action guy. He's he's good. He's got a high ceiling. I like the alpha male move that he that he's made in recently. And I like this matchup with uh, Ladovic Klein. I think he has a very good chance to win this. Fight. He's the much bigger man. I think he's got more ways to win this fight. I don't think he's going to win like a straight kickboxing match with with Ladova Klein, but I think Mason is well aware of that. Mason can sort of brawl, and he could he could just wrestle the hell out of Ladova Klein if he wants and just beat him up on the ground. So I, I like Mason a lot. That Mike Davis fight is just so good. He, it's just so good. Go back and watch that fight. If you haven't watched it, Go on the ESPN Plus or UFC Fight Pass and just search for Mason Jones versus Mike Davis, January of 2021, Fight Island. That fight is friggin' awesome. Mason's just a, a, a Mason just just brings it every single time. He's looked good in every single one of his fights. So I'm high on the guy too. I don't know if we're talking about Mason Jones UFC champion, but we could be talking about Mason Jones top 15 guy at some point for sure. Four Quarter Sports. Hey, Mike,
14: how's it going? (laughs) Hey, so I wanted to talk about, um, I know a caller had said something about MSG. Well, I don't think the USC should should be that worried because like you had said, we have a December card. I don't think John Jones is going to come and fight uh, this year. I honestly believe if Ty Tuavasi does defeat uh, Cyril Ghosn at USC Paris, that he's going to end up fighting Francis Ngannou uh, in a title fight or be placed in an interim title fight with I don't know like Cipe. Um I do agree with you. As for your your take on Charles Oliveira, I mean I'm all for it. You know I'd I'd even put down like 300 down on uh, Oliveira to win over Islam. I I just wonder like what's the betting odds on uh, uh, that fight finishing by uh, submission, whether it's Islam or uh, Oliveira. Um, and so on Tuesday, um, you know there was there was nothing really to watch as for MMA. And the MLB All Star Game was on, and you know, you popped in my head because that game was was, excuse my my language, but that game sucked. I think fuck that game fucking sucked, man. And I was thinking, I was like, whoever this new commentator is that MLB had, I was like, this would have been the perfect time that John Annick could have just slipped in because you know, whenever John Anik is on, like you know, when, when these the big time um, commentators are on, you know, it's a big deal. You know, you have. John, John Annick for the UFC, you have Mike Green for, for NBA, um, this, that, and the third, and this could have been the perfect time that John Anik could have been, you know, um, been for like a MLB All-Star game, because he actually gave like enthusiasm, like you see him at UFC events and stuff like that, and it's just like, whoever this schmuck was for, for the MLB All-Star game had no enthusiasm whatsoever, and me and my buddies were debating on watching um, what's it called The Ultimate Fighter compared to that and we still didn't even budge that's how much the ultimate fighter sucks man and we were thinking about it very very closely but we were just like you know what we'll just you know suck it up and just wait for this whole game to end thanks mike that's all i wanted to say and have a good one
3: thanks man yeah the all-star game stinks i used to i used to look forward to it every year just it stinks it sucks it's just not fun it's a tough it's a tough hang unless it's like Jeter's last all-star game or you know Ripken breaking the about to break the record or Ripken's last like one of the legends their final all-star game like Ripken's last all-star game and he hits the freaking home run like that was awesome like that's just cool shit uh, Pedro taking the mound at Fenway Park and just blowing fastballs by everybody like super cool maybe just because that's just the bias of me but even if you're not a Boston fan just watching Pedro go out there and just blow fastballs by Sosa and McGuire and all those dudes. Like, that was awesome. That's when the All-Star Game actually meant something. It's just so dumb now. And even, like, like I missed the home run. Like, even this home run derby. Like, I love the home run derby. Like, I watched the home run derby with my 9-year-old for a little while. We watched the first round. But even the first round took, like, 90 friggin' minutes. It's just so long. Like, it's just so long. Like, all this stuff just just so long. It's just a chore. And I was like, I just miss the old days where you had, like, I know, like, the 10-out thing is just not fair anymore with the way these guys hit. But, I mean, come on, dude. Like, we, we we can make this a little more enjoyable and not make this a chore to watch. Like, come on. It's stupid. Uh, as far as the Oliveira makachev props, I don't think a lot of those, at least on DraftKings, a lot of that stuff doesn't get released till like, right around fight week a little bit before maybe for that fight they'll drop something but uh, no line as of yet maybe you could dig them up somewhere but I haven't seen anything yet but yeah I'm with you Oliveira again just being overlooked we'll take a few more we'll go Siver, Jay and Mike because they have been here literally the whole time waiting maybe we'll get one more in. I'll try see what we can do Sivaram, are you there All right, it's not going through. I don't know why. Jay.
15: What's up, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, so um, my fault is other people asked this. I came like – I had to stop halfway through to do something. But uh, my first thing is with – and also, sorry if you can hear stuff. I'm driving outside. But um, my first thing is with Benil Dariush and – He's just getting turned over again with the UFC. And I think this is just a lose-lose situation for him in general. Because even if he wins this match, who else is going to be next for him? It looks like Volk wants to come up and fight the winner for Olivera Makachev. So, it looks like Benio's going to have to fight down again even if he wins this match. So, I just feel for him. And the next thing I want to ask is, what was up with Patty at the conference? Like, why was he so heated at Jordan Levitt? Just for some criticism that he gave him. You seem more mad at Jordan than the Ilya Taporia uh, incident that happened like a while back for his last fight. And from seeing this, it seems like Jordan's already in Patty's head without even trying. Like it's like he's losing the mental game already. And so I think Patty's just going to come out in the cage and just start going reckless, and that might lead him to making a mistake. So I just wanted to get your opinion on those two. Thanks for everything you do, Mike, and have a heck of a morning, man.
3: Thanks, dude uh yeah i mean i noticed that myself patty was all was heated and jordan is not jordan like i like i've said since
7: because
3: I, I think we when the fight was announced it was like in the middle of the show and we reacted to it then patty could say whatever he wants about the london crowd getting to jordan it's not going to like it's not going to the drunk people of london that patty's talked about his friends and stuff like that like Unless they like come out of the crowd and attack him, they're not going to do anything to rattle Jordan Levin at all. Jordan does not care. That stuff does not bother him. He is a different dude. He is just a different cat. He is who he is. He's not going to, f- he doesn't feel anybody. He says the fight's going to suck. He says the fight's going to suck. That's not interesting. He's looking at it from a stylistic, stylistic perspective. It's going to be a boring fight. Jordan Level will not be rattled by any of this, and Patty's used to winning a lot of his fights before the fights even happen, because he can get in these guys' heads. Fighting in London is tough. Like Rodrigo Vargas, and, and Vargas, like you can tell, Rodrigo Vargas is like, "Oh my God, this is crazy," and he he hurt Patty. He hurt him. He had him hurt. So like, maybe it is something. Maybe there's something to that that Patty's just trying to rattle this guy, and it's just not working. And Patty's just maybe just trying, I guess, to get the – I don't know. I don't know. But when this fight was announced, I thought it was really good matchmaking. I actually think it's a win-win for the UFC either way because if Patty wins, we can keep doing what we're doing with Patty. Even if he loses, you can keep doing what we're doing with Patty. Keep putting on the London cards, trying to give him wins, um, and and, and trying to put him over and sell the tickets. Like, that's his – that's what you do. And if Jordan wins, you just have such an interesting guy that you can build upon. Like, it's Jordan's a star if he beats Patty Pimblett. But, like, whether you love him or hate him, you're going to get a reaction from this guy. I knew it the first time I interviewed Jordan Levin. I think it was, like, a 1-0 and pro the first time I interviewed this guy. And I knew right then. I'm just like, wow, this is just a different dude. He just is just who he is. He is, um, he's like the male version of Roxanne Modafferi, And like Roxanne's been such a mentor to him that he's just, he just is who he is. He's comfortable being him. And he's comfortable being him fighting at the Apex. He's comfortable being him fighting at a bingo hall in Cleveland, Ohio. He's comfortable being himself in front of an O2 arena crowd that are just absolutely hammered at 9 a.m. He doesn't care. It doesn't change a thing for him. Which makes this fight really interesting. I think the ground stuff is very even. I think Patty's a little bigger, but Jordan's actually a pretty decently sized white uh, lightweight as well. So he cut on a weight to get to one fifty five. So I think a lot of this, a lot of the things that you weigh into these kinds of fights are pretty even. The stand up, what happens if this fight stays standing? if jordan turns into a slugfest, which i don't recommend and i don't think he's going to do. Like can patty get him out of there? Can patty hurt him? I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting fight. Like it really is an interesting fight. The betting lines are nuts. What are we at right now? Uh, we are at Patty minus 250, Levitt plus 210. There's so much value in Jordan Levitt at plus 210. And i don't think this fight i don't think this fight Gets finished? I don't know. Maybe it does. I don't know. I'm intrigued by it. Mike!
8: Heck of a morning to you, Mike. Heck of a morning. Hello. Bro, has anybody mentioned anything about the Sterling fight yet? Or has has that, that already old news? Because I just noticed this whole show, nobody said anything.
3: We, I mentioned it. Oh, okay.
8: I Just, mentioned it's it. It's not getting any love. All right. Well, anyways, going back on that 280 card, bro. Charles Oliveira, Islam Makhachev. I. Ah, that's the fight, dude. That's the fight. I don't know how you're saying Nate Diaz fight it has a, a little bit more hype, dude. This is the this is the fight right here, man. Every dream. I think honestly, Charles Oliveira is gonna do enough. He's gonna finish him like he's finished everybody else, and he's gonna call out Khabib, and that might. BDH to bring Khabib back into the game, bro. On one last thing, Peter Yan, that's another great matchup because, dude, he's just going to stomp all over O'Malley. Dude, O'Malley got his shit kicked in with Cheeto. What do you think Peter Yan's going to do? Dude, he kicks trunks over there in Thailand just all day. He's going to break Sean O'Malley, dude. Uh, Heck of a morning, Mike. Good luck on BTL. Let's see Boston Mike. Boston Mike
3: will be on BTL um i'm ready i'm ready and here's a little thing that drake may drake Griggs may not know that even if you're not the most correct being the most loud sometimes wins you the points i'll have you know uh and i will be loud i will be boisterous if you will on btl listen i said earlier charles hold as far as like the in cage product Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev is the fight I'm looking forward to the most. No doubt about it. 1,000%. That is the most intriguing actual fight. But in terms of storyline, the build, what can come from it. Because the build to Oliveira Makachev is just going to be not great. It's going to be fine. It's going to be Makachev saying his stuff. Tweets coming from... Makachev's account, but not coming from Makachev himself. Oliveira saying there is a champion. His name is Charles Oliveira. Like, the build to that is just going to be... And like and like I've said a million times, you don't need hatred. You don't need a big build. You don't need drama for every single fight. But that one, the build's just going to be there. Like, we're just going to be like, alright, let's just get to the friggin' fight and let's see what happens. But D.S. Shabayev, man. And it's just going to be so fun. That's where you just get lost in the whole thing. Where it's not just about the fight. It's about everything else. All the stories. Everything. The what ifs. What happens if this happens? What happens if this happens? There's so many. And that's why it's going to just kill it on pay-per-view. All right, I'm going to take one more. We're meaning this thing. Because I have to get out of here. I have interviews to do. And I have to get ready to... Put the verbal boots to Drake Riggs. Kurt, send us home. Kurt, are you there? He is not. All right, Joe. Pressure's on, my man. What you got? You got to unmute. Okay. Hubbo Colin. I mean freaking Colin Farrell, two L's. Colin, are you there? Colin? No one wants to be the last voice. Okay, let's try Art Gomez. Art, are you there? Unmute. Yeah, I'm here. We got gotcha. you. What's Perfect. up, buddy?
4: Uh, Long time listener, uh, first some caller. Heck of a morning. Thank you. Uh, my question is for uh, the one big fight. Uh, what do you
3: What do you prefer, the uh, twerk or the tea bag? That's it. Thanks. <sighs> I mean. I probably prefer the twerker, for being honest. I don't prefer either. I just wish both would win. But again, here's another thing I want to point out because a lot of people have had issues with Jordan Levitt and his celebrations and the splits and all that stuff. Jordan has done this his entire career since Pro Win Number One. So again, as I've said a million times about Jordan Levitt, he is who he is. He's not going to change the splits, the celebrations, all of that, this is not a, hey, let me do this so that I can become a star in the UFC. No, that's just, like, if Jordan Levitt like, won a game of tic-tac-toe at a diner with nobody in it, he'd probably do the same thing, whether anybody's watching him or not. That's just who he is. But, yeah, I mean, either way, just how that fight plays out and the reaction to after reaction to it after the fact is going to be wild, man. Like if Jordan Levitt like goes out there and submits Patty Pimblett and does the splits, like it's going to be like a Colby in Brazil type situation. And if Patty just knocks out Jordan and tries to squat his bagulars on the head of Jordan Levitt, I mean, God, I, I geez. It's intriguing, but then like the is just like what, what, what the frig is gonna happen? I, I, it's gone way too long. I am gonna get, but it's all right. So for those, Joe Kareem, I see you. Do me a favor, hop on tomorrow. We're gonna do it again, ten a.m. Eastern. We're gonna have a show, um, and you will be the first two. As soon as you even request, you skip the line and jump to the front. All right. I promise you, I'm going to take the screenshot. Boom. There it is. I got the screenshot. I'm saving it right now. Boom. Game Joe tomorrow. Hop on in. No matter where we're at in the show, no matter how many people are waiting in line, the two of you will jump the line, okay? But a lot transpired, a lot more to talk about tomorrow, I'm sure. And we'll do so at 10 a.m. Eastern on a brand new edition of Heck of a Morning. Thank you all for joining us. If you joined us a little bit later and you're like, what the hell were these guys talking about in the first half of the show? You can hear it shortly on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a great Thursday. And as always, have a heck of a morning.